God will always, always oppose the wicked, that God will set himself up as supreme over the world, and that any authority that comes against his authority will ultimately fail. And that is a posture that we're going to see through the Psalms. The way that we can orient ourselves as followers of God is to know that he is the ultimate source of authority. And that even in our darkest days, even in the worst of times, which we will see in these Psalms, even in the worst of times, God can still be trusted as that supreme authority in life. And that we can trust that God will ultimately judge the wicked and the righteous acts of the people, the people of this world. There is a lot of settled security in that, even in darkness and suffering and hardship. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. My name is Nicole Eunice and I am your fellow sojourner on this journey of faith that we are on together, just sitting together under God's Word and learning from Him as we journey through various aspects of the Bible together using the Alive Method, which is really just a simple four-question framework that helps us look at any passage of Scripture and find the principles contained within and what God is teaching us each and every day. It has been a wild and enjoyable journey already in 2021, and we are starting a new series right now called Love Psalms. So um, I'm titling this Love Psalms because we are going to spend the next five episodes looking at five major kinds of psalms that we find in the book of Psalms. Now, it is almost impossible to (laughs) pull the book of Psalms together because truly it is poetry. And as it says in my NIV study Bible book introduction, really the Psalms are about the full orbed godliness of life, like the full expression of how we can experience God in this life. And that's why we're calling it Love Psalms, because you know what? Sometimes love is full of praise. Sometimes love has lament in it. Sometimes love is about when we feel close. Sometimes our love is expressed in the anguish we feel in distance. And the Psalms allow us 
the full emotional expression of the human existence. And if I could just tell you one thing today, it would be this, that every part of your emotional experience, every part of your life experience is welcome in God's presence. I think for me, that's the subscript of the whole book of Psalms is no matter what you are welcome in God's presence. You are welcome with your anger. You are welcome with your grief. You are welcome with your praise. You are welcome with your questions. All of that. Like the Psalms just gives us permission to be human with God, to be the full experience of our humanity with God. And it actually gives us words. But not only that, this is this is a key. The Psalms do not leave us just wallowing in that anguish. When you begin to dive in and you really uh, look to the Psalms as a framework for the way that you can engage with God, what you're going to find there is that even in the deepest grief, even in the most painful lament, there is still this thread of hope. There is still this, as we're going to talk about today, posture in the way that we experience God. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look at one psalm each week that represents a part of the whole, a part of the whole book. And my hope is really by the end, you just really want to read psalms (laughs) and you want to have psalms be a part of your expression with God and your daily experience. So we're going to start at the beginning today with Psalm chapter one, and I'm going to call this our posture before God. So the first series is the way we posture ourselves with God. And I want to read you um, the whole psalm. It's six verses long. I'm going to read it once. I'm going to invite you to just listen to the words as we enter into question one. What does it say? And then I'm going to read it again. Okay, so two times through. So wherever you are right now, if you're following along in your Bible and you want to circle or underline any parts that stick out to you, if you are on your walk or doing your dishes or folding your laundry or on a lunch break, maybe just enjoy God's word. God's word is meant to be read aloud, particularly the Psalms, which most of them were set to song. I will not sing for you, but I want you to (laughs) enter in to the experience of the words. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Take a moment, and this time as you listen, I want you to listen for pictures that come to your mind, words or phrases that stand out, questions that you might have about a part of this psalm that you might not understand. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Okay, our first question is, number one, what does it say? We want to make sure we understand what it's actually saying. And if you begin to sort of take apart some portions of this poem, which it truly is this poem or this song, you're going to notice what stands out to me first is that we have a comparison going on between two kinds of people. The two kinds of people are those that are wicked and those that are righteous. And in the in the process of kind of looking at that, we see that the way of the wicked has certain things that happen to them, and the way of the righteous has certain things that happen to them, certain actions that they take. The first thing that we see about the righteous is they don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of mockers. But when we get the comparison, we see a comparison that actually their delight comes from a different place. And there is a, I notice the meditate, the word he meditates on the law day and night. That indicates, doesn't it, a sort of discipline, a study, a, a posture, which is why I chose that word, a posture of the way that the, the righteous look at life. And then we go into this imagery, right? And we look at this um, idea of being like a tree. Notice the imagery, again, this will be such a big part of our our time through the Psalms, is that you're going to see lots of imagery. You're going to look for repetition, which helps you know what is important in a Psalm. You're going to find parallelism. So parallelism is when things are contrasted, or when things echo each other, or when one phrase completes the next phrase. That's going to help us get to the essence of the main focal point of that Psalm. So when we're in our Question one, what does it say? We're looking for those kinds of things. So here we have imagery. We've got this image of a tree, a tree that continues to prosper, that continues to to be fruitful no matter what season it's in. We see that it's a tree that has a source, right? A source of energy. It's got streams of water. It has a source of nourishment um, in it. And that's where it's that's where it is, as opposed to the wicked. And if you're not familiar with the word chaff, that's like the part around the wheat that you um, need to get off of the wheat before you can have anything good. It's just like the the leftover stuff. And it says that the wicked are like that chaff that's just going to blow away. That whatever they do is not going to last. The essence of who they are will. Not 
not last. And I love this like angle that helps us understand um, eternal matters. That you and I, we have a, a soul that is eternal. There are as there are parts of us. There are parts of us that are permanent and eternal right here on earth. When we are resurrected at the last day with a new body, we are still going to be our soul, the, the, in, the inner part of us. And I think that in this first psalm, we're seeing what it looks like to have a posture before God. And I love that it said a little earlier in my text note that God will always, always oppose the wicked, that God will set himself up as supreme over the world, and that any authority that comes against his authority will ultimately fail. And that is a posture that we're going to see through the Psalms. The way that we can orient ourselves as followers of God is to know that He is the ultimate source of authority, and that even in our darkest days, even in the worst of times, which we will see in these Psalms, even in the worst of times, God can still be trusted as that supreme authority in life, and that we can trust that God will ultimately judge the wicked and the righteous acts of the people, the people of this world. There is a lot of settled security in that, even in darkness and suffering and hardship. So when we think about what it says, we've got these images going and we have this contrast between wicked and righteous. And then notice where it is. This is the very first psalm in the book. And my my text note, as we move to question two, what's the backstory? My text note says that truly Psalm 1 is setting us up for these overarching themes that we're finding. And these themes are these two ways, the way of sinners, the way of the righteous. Another way to say it would be the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. We're going to see this contrast often set up so that we understand what it means to posture ourselves with God so that we can live in the way of the righteous. There are actual action steps to take. We don't have a lot of cultural stuff to look at necessarily in this psalm. There will be other times when we get to question two, what's the backstory, where we do really want to think more about kind of some cultural context. We're going to get to some psalms that are really remembrance psalms that call us back to the history of God's people. There's such a huge component to life with God that involves remembering, but that's not in this psalm. In this psalm, we really, it's kind of like here for for the taking. We can, we can pretty much apply this to our life pretty quickly. We've got the actions, some some actions that a, a righteous person does not do, and we have actions that a righteous person does do. And whenever I see that in, and I'm in my Bible study, a lot of times I'll just make a list. I'll put a line down the middle of the page, and I just want to like line those things up. And if I was going to do that in my own words as we draw into what does this mean for us, you know, what does it mean is question three. I think I would begin by writing saying, okay, well, um, part of what the righteous do is they avoid wicked counsel. Um, they don't hang <laughs> with sinners. Now, we know that in Christianity, we are called to be with people, to love people. But to stand in the way of sinners is actually to to live fully into that culture, to live fully into that way. This is not telling us that we shouldn't associate with sinners. We know that Jesus himself was often accused of being a sinner because he associated with sinners. He gives us an example. It was often said, well, you eat with sinners, um, you eat with 
unrighteous people, and that was a huge problem for the religious, quote-unquote, people of Jesus' day. So we don't want to overdo this, but we do want to understand this idea of standing in the way of sinners is actually to live into their way of life or sit in the seat of mockers. There's a lot about this that is about assimilating ourselves to a wicked culture, that we're called in righteousness to not assimilate to those things that are around us. So I would have that on my list, the things that I will not do, and then the things that a righteous person does do. The righteous person finds delight in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is the whole, the whole message of Scripture beginning to end. Um, This idea of constantly meditating on what God is saying. And we were building this whole podcast around the idea, as it says in Hebrews, that God's Word is alive and active, that God's Word is dynamic. It's a conversation. It's a relationship with us. And even as we are changing, God's Word is also drawing us deeper into the Spirit of God, into that place where we know and love God. And so we can expect that we will need to be meditating on God's law day and night, that we will never fully master the message of God, that because God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts because he is higher than us, because of his supreme authority, we will be constantly growing and learning under him both day and night. So if I was writing on my list, I'd be like, these are the things that a righteous person doesn't do. These are the things that a righteous person does do. And then this is what you should expect from a life that's lived righteously. A tree planted by streams of water who yields fruit, my life will be fruitful in God. It says whatever he does prospers. I have that circled in my scripture because this is one of the places where we can get a little bit tripped up. We can, especially if we're like, okay, what does that mean? If we immediately associate what that word means without slowing down. Prospers does not mean to be blessed in every creature comfort in this world. It doesn't mean that every single thing we set to do will be successful, but it does mean that we will have a life of bounty. And bounty may look like the spiritual blessings in this world. Bounty may look like the fruit of a life well lived. We've got to live in the tension between this idea that God is like a genie and we can rub the lamp and because of who he is, we can ask for our three wishes and have as many wishes as we want, whatever that looks like. We've got to live in the tension between that and this idea that, well, my life isn't changed because of God. No, your life should be changed because of God. You should see an increasing abundance in the fruitfulness of your character, in the the power of your love, in your um, ability to say no to ungodliness, to move away from sin, in your ability to say yes to the Spirit of God and move more and more deeply into the way that God is calling you into his purposes in your life. You should see fruit in your relationships, that they are relationships of love, of peace, of goodness, of kindness. That's the kind of prospering that we're talking about. We're not talking about lottery tickets. We're not talking about big paychecks, although, of course, God can use financial blessing. And he can actually use financial blessing for us to advance the kingdom. That is one aspect of who he is. But this is not a conditional statement like, if I've been blessed financially, then God loves me. 
We actually know in other passages, in other psalms, in fact, that there are psalms where the psalmist is lamenting that the wicked have so many good things. So having good things is not a sign of righteousness or wickedness. But we want to live in the tension of a life that is prosperous, a life that is full, full of relationships, full of love, full of goodness, full of forgiveness, that those are the kinds of things that we will be seeing in our journey of faith as we are living into righteousness, unlike the wicked who will not be able to stand in judgment. And as we, we will see in the future, as we continue forward with our Psalms, we will often see these statements of trust at the end of a Psalm, these statements of belief about who God is, that God is the ultimate judge that there will be a time where this history of this earth will culminate, that we're not just in an ongoing, never-ending timeline, that there is a God who is coming, who will revive, like Jesus is coming again. He is coming and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There is a new heaven and a new earth. We will be called to something new. There will be a time where God ultimately sets all things right. And we're going to see in the Psalms, no matter what that emotional expression is, that there is this settled trust in the character of God and in the promises of God. And that is a posture that we can place ourselves in. So what does it mean for us? The principle here at play is this idea, God is the supreme authority, and it is our responsibility to posture ourselves with God. The final question is, what does it mean for me? What does this mean for me today? And I want to leave that with you right now. Uh, What does this mean for you? Is this an encouragement for you? Does this help you have a reset in a sense of kind of what's important in your life? Does it help you reprioritize scripture? Perhaps you start right now in Psalm 1 and read through because we're going to do Psalm 6 next week. So you can read Psalm 1 through 6 this week in your own Bible study. If this is a a way that you want to posture yourself to be meditating upon God's word, to delight in God's word, not to see it as a rule book or a place of condemnation, but actually a place of strength and a source of sustenance for your soul, because we can be like that tree that's planted by that stream of water, that tree that is prospering and flourishing no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Whether it is a winter of the soul for you right now, or a summer of the soul, wherever you are and anywhere in between, that God is calling us to a posture with him where we trust in his provision, where we meditate upon his law, and where we bear the kind of fruit in keeping with repentance and in keeping with that righteousness. All right, you guys, I cannot wait to continue this series. I will see you next week. Psalm 6 is a I'm going to leave you with that. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Have you 
ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.